As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Wendy. And I'm Jess, and you're listening to the Food Heaven Podcast. Your online resource for inclusive and accessible wellness. Welcome back to another episode of the Food Heaven Podcast. Today, we have my friend and former colleague, Dr. Lindsay Brooks. She is a psychologist. We used to work together at UCSF. I'll talk about that when she hops on. And Lindsay is a sex therapist turned sex educator. Lindsay is a great person to talk to about this week's episode where we're going to talk about sex positivity and what that means because she has a PhD in counseling psychology. She's a certified sex therapist and she's been providing therapy since 2005. So that's a a lot of years of experience. She's also thrilled to now be bringing her knowledge beyond the therapy room with her sexual empowerment school where she teaches women how to build their sexual self-knowledge, develop pleasure, positive mindsets, and learn sexual communication skills through her online workshops and resources. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you. <laughs> I just had to do it. I had to do it. I was waiting for my moment. I was like... I had to. I had to go there. Okay, so we're going to be talking with Lindsay about a lot of things related to sex, how sex and wellness are interconnected. We're going to talk about orgasms and how there is a gap in how women and men experience orgasms. We're also going to be covering mindsets around sex. So like how you can develop a more sex positive mindset and how you can overcome those sex negative mindsets that get in the way of pleasure. Yeah. We also talk about whether or not you should be scheduling sex and a lot of other nuance as it relates to like desire, drive, frequency, and just having overall better communication with your partner. So for those of you who are just tuning in to our podcast, we always like to read a listener review. Today, our review is from Ashley Wilson based in Texas, and they write, amazing podcasts. I love this podcast. The topics Wendy and Jess talk about are always relatable and relevant to the times. They shine light on issues around food and POC. And as a POC myself, I appreciate the conversations around these issues. Both of these women have a very calm and collected demeanor. It's a lie. (laughs) (laughs) which makes it easy to listen to and become hooked highly recommend thank you if you haven't already get to it hunty go on over drop some stars and we are gonna hop into the episode okay so Lindsay and i used to work together and you were on the interview panel that I was on. Oh, right. That you were interviewing me. Yes. I forgot about that. Yeah. It was a little intimidating because it was a big panel. And mm-hmm. you were the only one who <laughs> asked me a question about health at every size and intuitive mm-hmm. eating. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, we're going to be friends. And then yeah. you ended up being like my haze, like, and, and also Justin, who's also been on the podcast, like we were mm-hmm. haze aligned. So I think it made it a lot mm-hmm. easier to have someone at work who kind of got it. Um, so thank you for being that person for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I have to say thank you for being that person for me because, you know, it's not just professional it's personal for me so like when they were like we're going to interview nutritionists I was like mm, I need to be on there because mm, obvious reasons yeah. <laughs> like it could go they're... real right or real wrong real fast yeah <laughs> yeah so it means a ton to me you know as a woman in a larger body that you have that perspective and, and I appreciate the podcast so much like I know how much you all, you all realize like that impacts people in such a big way like you've heard so many like negative things about your body and like crazy things about what you should eat and all this stuff through your whole life if you have a larger body so appreciate what you do (laughs) well I have an icebreaker question that's a little different (laughs) (laughs) okay we get this question all the time and I'm just Mm. curious if this is something that you have gotten as Mm. well as a sex Mm -hmm. therapist um a lot of people ask us, like, what are the foods that I should be eating for, like, mm. I think you know where I'm going Okay, with this. yeah. And I'm just like, I have no idea. My friends ask me this all the time. We mm. recently did a Q&A, and a few people asked that. Right. <laughs> They're like, Can you, you should be eating episode? for what? Like, for, so that your vagina, like, smells and tastes a certain mm. way, and, like, you know, kind of along mm-hmm. those lines. And I I mean, I'm just curious if this is something that you've gotten as well. <laughs> <laughs> I just find it like uh-huh. so interesting that people are always asking us this yeah. question and we have no idea yeah. like what to say or recommend. Sure. <laughs> I don't get it asked a lot, but I, w- I mean, from my understanding, there isn't like any research to support something. Like there, yeah. people say pineapple juice fruit stuff like that I don't I know no research to support that if that if you notice a difference and you like that like go for it and explore but for me I'm more curious of like what's behind that question Mm. of like yeah is there a reason we need to feel ashamed about how our bodies like naturally taste or smell and can we make it normal like vagina should taste like vagina (laughs) you know (laughs) like why do we need to try to be making it taste like something else like papaya so yeah I love that response and and that's that's the podcast episode y'all that that is the response to that question Uh and that will end there (laughs) and now we will begin (laughs) that's a great yeah it's a great response because I feel like there is a lot of shame and a lot of what's normal what's not normal and it's like where does that all come from which we're going to get into Exactly. Okay. So here's my question. Yes. Sexual empowerment and wellness. Mm -hmm. Like you think of those things as two separate things, Mm. but like you say that they're connected. Mm -hmm. How are they, how do those two things go together? Yeah. I mean, to me, I think they're really integrally connected. Like I, you know, I started out as like a, you know, generalist therapist and over time, just talking with people about their mental health, like sex kept coming up as an integral part of that. And I was like, oh, okay, this is something like I was comfortable talking about, but I, I wanted to get more training so I could support people as best I could. And it was really clear to me like, oh, those things 
very much go hand in hand. And so I think about sexuality as like, it really hits all the parts of wellness. I mean, you think about your mind, your body, your spirit. I mean, all those things can go into your sexuality. So if you're taking care of that part of your life, you're all taking care of all three of those parts of your wellness. And so, you know, if you're really anxious, that's often something that will affect your interest in sex. Some people, it will, they cope with stress by like their, by having sex. So their sex drive might increase, but that tends to be more the minority of people. So it's like, they're really not separate things. They impact one another. We just don't talk about them that much. And, you know, women who enjoy solo sex, it's been shown that by the research, like that improves mood, decreases anxiety, helps with relaxation. Um, it can even help with menstrual cramps, which I'm like, that, that one surprises me, but um, for some women it, it helps. So like, it's a very like concrete connection between them. Yeah, that's so interesting, all those, the different connections, because it is like you explaining that I'm like, oh, wow, there are concrete physical and mental health benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, But one thing that struck me when we were thinking about questions was this idea Mm -hmm. of like potential differences in orgasms between people who identify as men and women. So can you talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about like what the orgasm gap is? Sure. Yeah. And that might be, some people are familiar with that term. Some people aren't. So we'll kind of just define what that that is. Basically over and over again in the research, we find that women who partner with men, like there's a big gap between the amount of orgasms they're having that men typically, typically orgasm with sexual encounters and women, women not so much. And so what's going on with that gap? And so as we examine that more, we typically find it's connected to one of the biggest myths, which is that, you know, women should orgasm through penetration alone. And like, that's, that's the best way, that's the right way or the only way. And the truth is most women don't experience <laughs> orgasm that way. It's only about 30% of women that can orgasm with penetration alone. Some women, you know, penetration plus other stimulation can get them there. And some women just, that's not at all. That's not how they get to orgasm. And so I think both men and women believing that myth and like moving forward with sex accordingly is a big part of what, you know, leads to that, that big gap. As well as, unfortunately, I think, you know, women and men are socialized not to focus as much on women's pleasure. Like it can be just like, you know, sex is supposed to be for men, right? Men enjoy sex. Women aren't really supposed to enjoy sex. I'm using quotes for people who can't see me. (laughs) 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 And so I think all of the, that like misinformation and, you know, contributes to that issue. With orgasming, like, do you recommend for women that they, or like, is the goal to orgasm every time women are having sex because I know there's like different types of intimacy and you know I know for women that's just sometimes not it's not on the agenda for like whatever that sexual encounter right. is I haven't really encountered that with men <laughs> right so, how do you feel about that yeah well I I encourage women to focus on pleasure and to have that be the focus and I find when it's like oh if I'm receiving pleasure I'm experiencing pleasure then I'm I'm enjoying the process. And that I think is what is most important. And so sometimes when I really focus on my pleasure, I will have an orgasm and lovely, that's great. And sometimes I won't. And so I don't, I don't encourage it to be like, it's got to be like goal driven and you have to orgasm because I think that can put too much pressure on it right. for women. Yeah. 
But what I don't want to see happen is like, there's no attention to the woman's pleasure at all. It's like, oh, well, she's not going to orgasm. So let's just kind of like ignore her and get through this or something. You know, unfortunately, I hear a lot of women's stories like that, where it's like, okay, I just kind of did what I needed to do to please my partner. And I was miserable or in pain or disconnected from myself. Like that's Mm. not the experience we want. Mm. So if she can be connected with her pleasure and experimenting with that, you know, whether she feels open to an orgasm or not, I think that that's what I would love to see more women focusing on. I think that's a good point you bring up about the pain because that's something that I have heard as well. And I'm wondering, like, what do you find that that's typically about? Is it a physiological thing that's happening? Is it more mental? And how, if someone is experiencing pain, because I do feel like, I mean, just from stuff that I've read that that's a lot of mm-hmm. women, how mm-hmm. do you navigate that? Yeah. I mean, that's a big, <laughs> we could do a whole, <laughs> I know. whole podcast on it. That's a whole big conversation. I would say if you're experiencing that, make sure you like do talk to a medical doctor yeah. to rule out any like, you know, physical reasons for something going on. Um, but for most women, I would say it's more about they're not experiencing enough foreplay. Um, they're not experiencing enough other kinds of pleasure before penetration happens. And then once you have an experience where there's pain, then of course you're afraid of right. it. So then that creates anxiety in this anxiety loop where it's like, oh, okay, well then my muscles are going to tense up even more and maybe it's more likely I'm going to experience pain again. So often it's, it's a combination of, okay, what's happening in the sex and are you getting enough stimulation for yourself and then the mental part of a fear about it occurring so kind of working on mindset and ways to relax Mm -hmm. and be more comfortable and then working with your partner on like what can sex look like so that it is more focused on my pleasure and slowing down um, would be the first places I would start we are still in the middle of the summer y'all and that means going to the park. That means barbecues. That means safe celebrations, hopefully, (laughs) amongst loved ones. And there's nothing more refreshing than an ice cold beer, which is why I'm thrilled about this week's podcast sponsor, Coors Pure. There is nothing like a New York City summer for those of y'all that have come during the summer. You already know there's parties in the park. There's parties in rooftops. It's also incredibly hot and a few things help with that. One of them being an ice cold beer. Lately, I've been bringing Coors Pure to all of my gatherings. It's convenient. Everyone loves it and it tastes great. If you're not familiar, we've spoken about them on the podcast before. It's a new, refreshingly simple beer made with organic barley, organic hops, and water. That's it. Nothing else. It's the perfect beer to chill out and celebrate the daily wins of life. And what I love is that you can pair it with appetizers. You can pair it with a meal. I mean, it tastes great with literally anything. There's nothing like the fizziness of an ice-cold beer. If you're looking for a beer that's high quality, check out Coors Pure. It's organic, but chill about it. Check out CoorsPure.com forward slash food heaven to see where you can find Coors Pure near you. Again, that's CoorsPure.com forward slash food heaven. And of course, a disclaimer from Coors Brewing Company, Albany, Georgia. Make sure that you celebrate responsibly. All right, we're going to hop back in. Talking about mindsets, you talk about sex negative mindsets on your mm-hmm. website. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and how it can look yeah, like? Yeah, definitely. I think about sex negative mindsets are usually connected to like kind of fear-based messages or shame-based 
messages about sex. Um, so it's like, oh, you should be afraid of sex. You're going to get pregnant when you don't want to, or you're going to get an STD or like, you know, some something bad is going to happen. So it's something that should be feared or it's shameful, right? Like depending particularly on the cultural messages or religious messages you've gotten, you know, maybe sex is a sin. Sex before marriage is a sin where women are supposed to be pure and chaste and for women to even want sex is, is shameful. So, you know, it varies a lot depending on your, you know, your cultural experience, the messages you've gotten. But I find like fear and shame are usually the common themes of, of ways we get the message like sex is wrong or bad in some way. And so I think helping women unlearn those messages is a big part of what uh, I do. And that I find when women have really internalized those beliefs, it makes it hard for them to even explore pleasure, to even like know what, you know, what gives them pleasure, that it's okay to explore and figure that out. It can make it really hard to talk with a partner about sex, like about how is sex going and are we both feeling good about it? And, oh, actually I do need more for a player, you know, whatever it is they need to talk about. If you have all that fear and shame, it's like, oh, well, I don't even know how to begin. Right to communicate about these things. Yeah. Like keep it to myself. And then, which leads to more suffering mm-hmm. and just like a negative mindset, negative feedback loop. What are some other things that get in the way of sexual empowerment? So you mentioned mm-hmm. sex, negative mindset. Is there anything mm-hmm. else that you found in your work with folks that are kind of major blocks? Yeah. Yeah. Mindset, I think is one of the, one of the biggest ones. Definitely. Then a lack of sex education. I find that most women, if they got any sex education, it was focused solely on like birth control and STDs. <laughs> like that's it. Um, and don't have so sex. Actual, well, yeah. And just like, don't do it. Yeah. It's bad and awful. And so not having education about their bodies, about pleasure, like that women should even enjoy sex, <laughs> that there's any information about that just even you know like we were I don't know if you'll include it we were you know talking earlier about you know vaginas we're using the word vagina right when we're talking about women maybe having discomfort with like how they smell or taste um, but even that is like well, actually the correct word we, sh- we should use I, I say vagina when it's not correct all the time but like the correct word is vulva right just knowing oh like the whole of our body is a vulva and vulva may be more where you experience pleasure. Just basic things like that. I find women don't don't get that kind of information from their formal education. And maybe they'll pick it up from friends. Probably not. You know, it really, yeah. really depends. So just getting pleasure focused, like accurate information is a big one. I have many questions, but what yeah. kind of education, like, okay, for someone who is listening, who's like two questions, mm-hmm. they're listening, mm-hmm. they're like, I didn't get this education where do I get that education? That's one question. Like, where do they mm-hmm. start if they feel like, oh, I maybe have not gotten that. And then for mm-hmm. people who are moms, because we do have some moms who listen to the podcast who are mm-hmm. like, I mm-hmm. don't want to set my daughter or child up for having a lack of education that's going to negatively impact them later on. How mm-hmm. do I, what am I talking about with my kids when it comes to sex? Like right. big questions, but I'm curious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, luckily there is a lot of great information out there now online. I think, you know, you're not getting a ton of it formally in like school 
settings. I think it's gotten better compared to like, you know, my, my generation when I was in school, but it's still not great. So like seeking out some of those outside resources for yourself or with, you know, like you're saying with kids, sharing them with your kids. For women, a great one, I would recommend, particularly if you're like, I don't think I have the basic information about my body and how it experiences pleasure, is a website called OMGS, which is wonderful. I don't know if you all have ever explored it, but it has, it's, you know, based on research, it's educational, but it has videos of real women where they interview them about, you know, their bodies, about how they experience pleasure. And then they actually have videos of them, you know, engaging in solo sex and showing like, this is what feels good to me. And this is what works for me. And then they, they say, they like go back and say like, oh, this is the technique she was using. And here's more information about that technique. And so it's very real. And also based in like accurate, like science-based information. So I, I love that website is like a great place to start. Oh, I love that. Is there a difference between solo sex and masturbation? No, it's just uh, a word, a word I oh, like okay. to use. <laughs> yeah, but that's great. Exactly the same. Okay. Okay. Got it. I feel so, like some women are afraid of the word masturbation. So solo sex like sounds, okay. sounds a little more comfortable for them, but yeah, it means the same thing. I, I love them both. <laughs> I love the I'm options. like, do I need to be doing solo sex? Like, have I been missing out? Okay. So it's the same yeah. thing. I mean, you, I think you were kind of alluding to like this being a way to empower mm-hmm. yourself sexually. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering like, with just wanting to develop a more sex positive mindset mm-hmm. and the importance of it really starting with yourself. Mm-hmm. Like what are some things that people can do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With solo sex specifically or just what can they do to get started? Or just like, and- yeah, in general, mm-hmm. I'm assuming like, masturbation can be one way to get there but then like what are some other things that people can do or like while you are masturbating what are some things that might be helpful to like get that connection going sure totally yeah well I definitely a lot of women have never actually experienced masturbation or explored solo sex I really I I recommend it (laughs) if you haven't explored it yet and if you have some shame or sex negative messages about it, I would encourage you to like examine those and explore what's getting in the way with that. But yeah, I think learning your own body and what gives you pleasure first is the best way to then go into an interaction with a partner and be able to, you know, show them what you enjoy. It's like, how on earth are you supposed to like have a good experience with a partner when you don't even know yet what you like? Of course, you know, you can discover new things with the new partner, but like having that baseline understanding of what you enjoy is really important. So yeah, I I would encourage people to like have that just pleasure focused mindset too, even with solo sex. Like, okay, I'm just going to like explore and see what feels good. I'm not going to be focused on like, I got to have an orgasm. I got to get there, but let me just try different types of stimulation. Let me try using my hands. Let me try a vibrator. Let me try water. That's another one people don't talk about as much, but a lot of women love like get in the bathtub and see what happens. Let the water flow over you. Things like that. So I think that that is a great way to start exploring. And then also the other thing I would recommend is a mindfulness practice as well. And I recommend that for two reasons. One is because being mindful is all about just being present and connected with the present moment. So that will help you like actually be in your body and not be in your mind, you know, during sex of like, oh my gosh, you know, what is my partner thinking of me? Am I doing the right thing? Am I, how do I look? Right. And I got all this other crap to do. To do (laughs) list. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. So to help you get with that practice of 
being present in general. And then you can use that in the moment with sex. I love that. I, I, I see sex and masturbation like as a way of meditation mm. because it's like you just completely become present. And it's like, yeah. you know, I mean, sometimes you just have a million things going on and it it's not that experience. Mm-hmm. But, you know, ideally, it's just like a great yeah. time to disconnect and be one with what's happening. Yeah. You know, and experience like all of this pleasure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the more you can try to get into your body and really be present with the pleasure. That's, that's really great. What's a mindfulness practice that you recommend? Like for someone who's like, Oh, that's a great idea. But I, you know, when I get started, my mind starts going off racing. Like how can they recenter themselves? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, just simply focusing on your breath. That's a great anchor. Just, I feel like just bringing your attention to you know, your deep belly breaths, no matter what's going on, that can help you recenter into your body and, and out of your head. And then I, I have a practice I have on my website, I have um, some actual mindfulness audios you Ooh. can listen to on one that, that I love, which I think can be great is to practice like being mindful with your sensations of pleasure. Like first with like the practice I have on there is like where you use your hand. So you actually are just like, okay, let me just rub my finger hmm you know, across my hand and be really mindful with the sensations of like, okay, what does it feel like to touch my skin here? What is the textures? What's the sensations? So starting with basic practices like that to help you realize like, okay, I can be connected with my body and feel these like really subtle sensations and doing some practices like that, which can be, I think, a little less intimidating than like, okay, let me be mindful during sex, which I think that can be a big thing to jump to if you're not quite comfortable with it yet. So those are practices that can help you um, build up to be more mindful during sex. I have a tangent question. When, yeah. you, when you see clients who want to be more sex positive, are you, and you're doing um, sex education slash therapy, do you meet with both people, like the couple, or do you just meet with one individual? Because can you, if there, if someone is feeling like, feeling like there's a void, can they hmm. fill that void? Nope pun intended, on their own. <laughs> Can totally. they feel that void on their own? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I work with women individually and, and with couples. Okay. Um, so it could be, could be either. I think, yeah, depending on what's going on, it can be most effective to work with the couple because, mm-hmm. you know, you have most people in the room, you can help them communicate about what's going on. But I find particularly for women, like there's just so much sex negativity and just like mindset stuff that gets in the way that like just helping women work through that in itself can be huge. Like they can see a lot of progress just with that. So I don't think it's essential yeah, to have, you know, both partners involved. Who here loves to go out to eat? I know I do. And I especially love it when kitchens have like kind of an open concept where you can kind of look and see what all the chefs are doing, what the kitchen tools are that they're using, how they're cooking. And it just gives me ideas and I kind of compare and contrast like, hmm, is this the pots and pans that I'm using? The knife? Like what's different? The great news is that with Maiden's professional quality cookware and kitchenware, anybody including me and you, is capable of making restaurant quality food at home. Maiden produces professional quality cookware and knives for those who love to cook. And they source the finest materials and partner with renowned craftsmen to make premier kitchen tools available directly to you without the crazy markup. 
Their products are made to last a lifetime and they even offer a guarantee. You don't have to take my word for it though. There are 32,000 five-star reviews and their products are used by some of the world's best chefs at Michelin star restaurants. Maiden makes better cookware for meals. And right now, Maiden is offering our listeners 15% off their first order with the promo code Food. Heaven. This is the best discount available anywhere online for their products, which by the way, they're already reasonable. So you're just saving more and more. Go to made in that's M A D E I N cookware.com slash food heaven and use the promo code food heaven for 15% off your first order. That's made in cookware.com backslash food heaven using the code food heaven. Let's get into it. What about body image? Another random yeah. because a lot yeah. of women I deal with, this comes up where of course. Um, not feeling as comfortable in their bodies, maybe their body change, which may decrease their desire to mm-hmm. want to have sex or engage or or to be able to be present. Mm-hmm. How do you, and I know mm-hmm. like we've done uh, intuitive eating and these kind of talks mm-hmm. together, but like, how do you help people mm-hmm. with that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a great thing you're bringing up. I talk a lot about with women about the idea of brakes and accelerators for your sexual desire. So there's, there's things that can increase that desire of like, you know, it's different for everyone, but for example, like, oh, when I feel really relaxed or I feel really like understood by my partner or I'm wearing something that makes me feel sexy. And then there are things that are breaks for you. So like things like, oh, when these are happening, you know, they really decrease my desire. So maybe that's stress, maybe that's I'm feeling pain in my body, or maybe that's body image. That's what, as soon as you brought that up, I'm like, oh, that can be a common break where it's like, oh, I'm not feeling good about my body or comfortable in my body. So I'm not interested. So, you know, I think there's different ways to work with that of like, you could work on, can I decrease the other breaks that are going on and increase the accelerators to kind of counteract the impact body image is having right now. And then I think there's also the deeper work that, you know, you, you all do around body positivity and all of that, that, you know, helping people just get more comfortable with their body at, you know, a range of sizes and appreciating that it's beautiful and sexy, even if it changes and that it's normal for your body to change over time. Do you recommend people break up with a partner if particularly a male partner, if they have an issue with their mm. body changing? Cause <laughs> now you're putting me in the hot oh, okay. seat. Okay, sorry. Oh yeah, because you don't recommend. Yeah, because you guys don't really recommend people do. As as know. a therapist, I can't tell you you should or shouldn't be with someone. But I would definitely ask you deep questions about it if, yeah. <laughs> if that was the situation. Yeah. 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 Yikes. I mean, how how do you improve communication? Because I think like, you know, related to this mm-hmm. negative mindset and like a lot of women have a lot of internalized stuff around sex, especially if they have a history of trauma, mm-hmm. especially if they have like body image stuff. Mm-hmm. So how could how do you communicate this to your partner or just like communicate mm-hmm to your partner effectively about sex. Like, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. Because Mm -hmm. I think what I've seen also, and I've experienced this myself, Mm -hmm. is like sometimes when you communicate Mm -hmm. what it is that you want, Mm -hmm. it's almost taken as like, like it's taken in an offensive way. Like Mm -hmm. your partner is not doing the right thing Mm -hmm. or like they're not doing enough. And it's like, no, these are actually like my preferences. So how, how can you communicate better about these things? Yeah, exactly. Well, I always recommend when you're like trying to be like, hey, there's something new I want that might be like 
you know, someone might get uncomfortable feeling like, oh, are you telling me I'm not doing it right? Is like sandwich those things together with like, here's some things I'm really enjoying about our sex life. And I would like love to make it even better. So like, here are some things I'd love to add. Um, so coming in from the place of like, things are already, you know, it going well, you know, and there's things I want to add to it. Of course, don't be, you know, if that's not the truth, don't be, you know, I want you to be honest. Yeah. Like, if something really, really is not going well. Um, but if the, if there is, you know, there are things that you can genuinely say, like, I am enjoying these things, like to lead with that and then add on the additional things I think can help with some of the defensiveness. But a, a practice I like, I think can be helpful too, is like to break things into categories of like, these are the things I really want. I really enjoy. These are the things that I will do. Like maybe they're not my top things that I'm not like super into, but I will like happily do them if they're, you know, big on your list. And I will, you know, I will gladly do them and feel comfortable doing them. And then there are the things that I won't do. So things that are like, these are hard boundaries for me. I'm, I'm not comfortable with them and, and I would not want them to be part of our sex life. So I think about that as like what I want, what I will and what I won't mm. do. So I think spending some time like getting clear of those categories within yourself first can then help you open up that kind of conversation. So then you can both talk about like, oh, these are things ideally I want. These are things I really, really like. And then come together of like, okay, where's the overlap? We both really like these things. Great. You really like this and I'm open to doing it. And I really like this and you're open to doing it. Cool. We can explore those things. And then then here are the things that are outside of our boundaries. Um, So I think that gives a little, a lot more room to be like, fluid and open the discussion of um, not just like this is what I want is my way um, right. but it can be more room for like compromise and openness how do you feel about scheduling sex I think it's helpful and necessary <laughs> often <laughs> uh, yeah Asking I mean especially for a friend. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah especially in long-term relationships I mean if you've been together multiple years I mean if we're talking about like multiple decade relationships, especially if there's kids in the mix, just realistically, I think it often has to be done. (laughs) And some people are resistant to that because they're like, oh, that's not sexy. That's not spontaneous. But I I think about it as like, we're going to set aside this time to be sexy and intimate. It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to commit to like sex, but we're going to make sure we're having that kind of intimate time and we'll see what happens. Like, we're going to make sure we, we are alone. We do something intimate together. If that's like, okay, we're just going to make out and see what happens. We're going to take a bath together. We're going to, you know, but like, we're going to do something like physically, emotionally intimate. And then we can, can see where it goes. I definitely recommend that. Um, because mm. in busy life, with so many things you're balancing. It's, I mean, it's easy and understandable <laughs> that it's hard to prioritize. Um, so making sure you make time to connect helps helps it be more likely to for that like spark to happen and for things to still feel connected yeah I was actually thinking um along those lines like do you recommend people have sex uh you know what I mean like Mm. some people go months and months without having sex Mm. for whatever reason Mm -hmm. like do you recommend if you're partnered living with someone like to have sex like, is there a minimum? Is, mm. is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say, I don't think there's like a standard number. I, I would say for you, you and your partner to talk about this together of like, okay, with both of our needs, 
what is like the minimum we feel okay with? I don't think there's like a, you know, because there are some couples that are like, I'm okay with having sex a few times a year and that meets their needs. Great for them, you know, no judgment of that. And then there are some couples who are like, I really need to have sex three times a week. And that's, you know, and that's for them, you know, what they're striving towards. So there's just so much variation in what, you know, people's desire is a particular stage in their life that's like busier and crazier, you know, it may change. So yeah, I think just you both having a sense of like, this is the goal. Ideally, we as a couple (laughs) would like to prioritize and how can we like create structure to like make that more likely to happen. The one thing I love that advice, by the way, and also all this is all so, I mean, sex positive. I just feel like even the Mm -hmm. language that you're using where you said breaks, like I was like, oh, that sounds very intentional. And Mm. like, you're not saying turn off. Is it intentional to say breaks and not turn off to be more sex positive? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, the the drive is there. The interest Mm. is there. But it's like the breaks get put on more sometimes and the accelerators more on sometimes. But it's not like it just, you know, disappears. Right. It's, it's more like it, it ebbs and flows. Yeah. I love, yeah. I love how you like go about explaining things. I'm wondering, okay. So when you <laughs> like, you know, the magazines with like the sex birds and all that, and they're like, oh, well, mm-hmm. if you are not having a drive or a desire to mm-hmm. have sex consistently, then something's mm-hmm. wrong. Then that's a sign of something mm-hmm. wrong. Like, how do you navigate or how do you parcel out mm-hmm. like what is there's something deeper going on and what is just mm-hmm. you have a lower desire and that just works for you mm-hmm. yeah that's what I would say if you're having trouble figuring that out like going to a sex therapist mm. to help you sort that out would be useful but I think you could someone could start with like okay let me get some more sex education and try out some of these resources and see if anything changes. And then if it doesn't, then maybe mm, there's something a little deeper going on. I should help, you know, get some support with exploring with the sex therapist. Um, But in general, you know, I don't want, you know, I can't say for everyone listening in their situation, but in general, I think we like over medicalize and over stigmatize women's sexuality. Mm And that typically it's more normal, just ebbs and flows of life. And how can you just, you know, make sure you're creating a lifestyle that like allows it to be like, okay, I can be open to sex and it can flow more. Um, and, and it's less common that it's a more like something serious yeah. going on. I like, I like that idea of like ebbs and flows because I feel like that's what it is, but you never, I mean, whenever any expert is talking about it, it's more like, mm-hmm. Well, maybe because the sensational stuff just sells or the headline, mm-hmm. you know, like, but it's more sure. like, oh, it has to be this. And if it's not that, or like, you know, they'll do like studies where couples married mm-hmm. this many years, have sex this much, married this amount. It's like, there's very mm-hmm. specific whatever. And I think that just causes more right. anxiety for a lot of people. Totally. And I mean, and those are stats based on like, you know, big samples yeah. and those are like the average numbers, but you know. But when you're looking at big data, like there are so many people who fall outside <laughs> of the average, right? So I think that's one of the struggles of being like, let's take like one or two stats from a study and then say everyone should be falling into those things, you know? Um, yeah. 
Oh. I also feel like people lie. Yeah, for, <laughs> for sure. sure. For sure. I, like, I, I feel like people over-report. <laughs> and like, I think men are centered in this conversation. Like mm-hmm. men always want to have sex. Right. Men always want to. And first of all, men don't always no, want to have don't. sex. Right. And that's a lie. And right. the lie all, detector, lie detector also determines <laughs> that like, because I, I feel like women try to kind of reach these like goals to be like oh well you know like I have to kind of keep up or whatever because like the standard is how much sex men want to have and so I have to kind of keep up and then we look down on women who just don't want to have sex as much or really don't want to have sex at all Mm -hmm. you know and it's like it's just different Mm -hmm. for everyone Mm -hmm. especially if you have kids like oh my god my friends who have had kids it's like they they can go long very long periods of time without having sex and sure. it, it makes total sense because like oh my god you right. just like gave birth to a whole human and you have to take care of them and like your energy levels and your sleep i can't even imagine sex being on the list right exactly know? yeah i mean especially if you're in like i am caretaking mama mode like that's a very different like emotional mode than sexy mode <laughs> you know so to be going from like i'm in mama mode to like uh, you know, I think that's a hard shift to make and much less like how many minutes a day do you actually even have alone with your partner? Like, exactly. <laughs> I think just yeah. some of the practical realities of young parenting, like, yeah, I definitely tell people like in the first few years when you have small kids, like expect it's going to change and just kind of have a conversation about like, this is going to be a season of less sex. Not because we don't love each other. We're not into each other. This is just like, you know, we're in raising babies mode yeah. right now. So like, how how do we, you know, negotiate that together in this season? Along those lines, like for women who, or just people in general, like who have a lot going on, whether it's like they have young kids or like it's work stuff or like whatever. And like, they do want to make time mm-hmm. to be intimate you know, and or have sex, mm-hmm. but it's just like really, really hard because they have so much going on. They're super stressed and it's sure. hard for them to get into like that zone. Right. What are some things that might be helpful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's where the mindfulness is really useful. Like if you can, if you have a way for like, okay, kids are being taken care of, <laughs> you know, if there's yeah, grandma, grandpa, babysitter, whoever, right? Like setting time aside where it's like, I can get out of that mode. And then I can practice being mindful and getting connected with myself. I think that can help with the shift. But that's, I mean, that's a privilege right there that I even have right. the space to consider that. So I think that's, yeah, that's complicated for people. Not everyone has the ability to have some of that time away so they can really connect with themselves and not be worried about taking care of someone else all the time. That's great advice and a great point. If someone wanted to get started with being more sexually empowered, what's the first step that you would recommend? Yeah, well, a great step I, I would recommend is to like just get more insight into what what specifically for you is getting in, in your way. And so then you can address that specifically. So I have a little quiz that can, that can help you do that. So if you want to check it out on my website, it's for free there. And it takes like you know, less than five minutes to do. And it'll help you identify, okay, what what is the thing 
that is getting in your way. Is it sex negative mindsets? Is it lack of communication skills? Is it, I don't have enough sex positive community around me? Um, or some of the things that, that could come up on that. Um, and then I'll give you a, a unique tip for like, okay, this is what's going on for you. Here's one thing you could do to get started. Because like, like we're talking about, this is so nuanced and unique to each person of like what's going on and what might be getting in their way. Um, I think something like that to help you specifically identify what it is for you can be useful. And the website is sexualempowermentschool.com backslash quiz. Yes. Okay. We're going to link that in the show notes as well. Now in wrapping up, where can people find out more about you, your work? Also, I'm so excited about your sexual empowerment school and I want you to tell everybody about it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. So you can check it out at sexualempowermentschool.com. And that's where I'm I'm wanting to shift and take this knowledge from just like one-on-one or couples therapy with people like out of the therapy room into more education. We're saying like there isn't enough education out there. So I'm excited to be able to, you know, offer it to more women and just kind of bridge that gap of things that we've been missing in our education. So so if you go there, I've got some great free resources, like I mentioned, the quiz, mindfulness audios, and then you can also check out information about my workshops, which will go more in depth and teach you more of the sex education, more tools for addressing sex negative mindsets and learning more communication skills. So yeah, I'm excited to um, be offering those and and uh, getting more in depth with women. I'm working on these skills. Love it. Thank you so much, Great. Lindsay. This has been awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Food Heaven podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to connect with us online. We're most active on the gram at Food Heaven, but we're also on Facebook and Twitter at Food Heaven Show. If you like this podcast, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. Yep, our podcast is released every Wednesday and each week we take a deep dive into topics like health at every size, food and culture, intuitive eating, mental health, and body acceptance. If you're looking for a sustainable and inclusive path to wellness, come hang out with us to learn how to take care of yourself from the inside out. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.